Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, the host of Scaling Up H2O. And here is another brand new episode, as promised, each and every Friday. Folks, we've got so much coming up in the industrial water treatment world. Of course, in just a few weeks, we are going to have the Association of Water Technologies virtual conference. That's going to be September 30th through October 2nd. I'm going to be there. I've got some exciting news to share with you during the conference. So much going on there. And the fact that it's virtual means that I don't have to pick and choose of all of the great papers that are being presented this year like I normally do. I can watch at my own leisure each and every presentation. And folks, I always get so much information when I go to the AWT conference. I'm super excited this year. I'm a little bummed out that I'm not going to see all of the Scaling Up Nation, all my friends in person, but the next best thing is we do have a virtual booth that we are hosting at the AWT conference. So you will have some opportunities to come by the booth, talk to me live. I'm still learning how that's going to happen. So I'm not able to tell you about that right now, but I'm sure we will know by the time the conference comes around, we can schedule time to talk. Maybe we can do some live sessions. We're going to have an opportunity so you can very easily leave your question on a voicemail for the show at our booth. We're going to be sharing tips about scaling up H2O. Matter of fact, we've got a little bit of everything at our booth for everybody. So you're going to learn more about the podcast. For those of you, of course, you wouldn't be listening now because you haven't listened to the show before, but for people that stumble across our booth and they can learn about that there is an Industrial Water Treaters podcast, they can learn how they can subscribe, all of that stuff, that's there for them. For you out there in the Scaling Up Nation, you're going to learn some new things about the Scaling Up Nation, about our website, about some things you can do there. You can leave us a voicemail with your question for a future show. You can also log directly in and leave your question on the email form that we have for you. So a whole bunch of stuff for the Scaling Up Nation. And I know people are very curious about the Rising Tide Mastermind. And in the past, we have had guests on that were members of the Rising Tide Mastermind, and we've just asked them some questions. Well, folks, if you stop by the booth, you can watch a video of exactly what goes on in the Mastermind. We've had several members of the Mastermind help us out with an abbreviated video so you can see exactly what you are getting involved in. I've also asked several of those members to talk about their experience with the Rising Tide Mastermind so you can see why they've chosen to spend their time and to spend their money at the Rising Tide Mastermind and all of the things that they are getting out of it. 
And then finally, we're gonna have some information for those of you out there that have a product or service that will match well with the Scaling Up H2O podcast. We're gonna let you know how you can advertise your product on this very podcast. So a little bit of something for everybody, but I hope you stop by, especially during the live sessions, and see me. Again, I love to go around and shake hands. I don't even know if we're allowed to shake hands anymore, but I always love the convention because I get to meet so many people out in the Scaling Up Nation, and I get so many stories about what Scaling Up H2O has done for people as they're going around to and from accounts, things that they've learned, how they've actually changed some emotions. They might've been having a bad day and now all of a sudden they're thinking a little bit more positively because they're not alone. There's a voice coming through their car stereo and they're thinking, you know what? I am not alone. I am part of a tribe and that tribe is the Scaling Up Nation. Also some more information about the Association of Water Technologies Virtual Conference. In addition, for me having a booth there, for the Scaling Up H2O team having a booth there. We are also, and I say we, I mean my partner, Jill Cavano of Scranton Associates. We are doing a webinar on all sorts of things that we learned during the pandemic. And folks, let me tell you, we are still learning new things. We're gonna be covering a whole host of topics like company culture, human resources, financial issues such as economic recovery, the continued lessons that we've learned in both of our companies, and then also how do we look toward the future? So we've got all of this during that presentation and you can watch that, like I said, anytime you like. You just have to find the link and watch the video. We're gonna try to link to it from our booth as well to make it very easy for you to find. But we are also going to host a live event. Jill and I are going to be answering questions at a learning lounge on Wednesday, September 30th, so that's the opening day, between 3 and 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. So if you watch the video, you have some questions, you can sign on to that, you can ask us some questions, or maybe you just have some other questions that you wanna ask us that didn't have anything about the video. Feel free to do that. Again, that's gonna be September 30th from three to 3.30. So excited about the AWT. I hope you are going. I hope somehow I get to see you if you are going. And folks, that's not the only thing that I am excited about. The very next week after the conference is Industrial Water Week. It is the only holiday for us water treaters that we get to celebrate each and every year, not just for one day, not just for two days, three days or four days, the entire week. We are gonna be celebrating a different aspect of every facet of industrial water treatment. We're gonna start out Monday with pre-treatment, Tuesdays, boilers, Wednesdays is cooling, then Thursday we'll talk about wastewater and we'll wrap it up on Friday with careers. 
Folks, each and every year, we try to do something special for this entire week. We will deliver you a brand new episode each and every day of Industrial Water Week, the week of October 5th through 9th. So you would want to tune in each and every day. We're going to have things that we've never done before during Industrial Water Week. We're going to make it a lot of fun. We're going to try to pull in a lot of social media because we can't see each other like we normally do at the AWT convention or other places. We're going to use social media. We're going to use hashtags to make sure that we can see each other's videos, each other's pictures. I'm going to give you some challenges to do each and every day, and we're just going to have fun with Industrial Water Week. And it's my hope that after Industrial Water Week, you continue on that high and we just blow the rest of this year out of the water, pun intended, and we just have a great rest of 2020. Well, speaking of having a great rest of 2020, my speaker today, I think, can help us do this. Her name is Trisha Malloy, and she is a speaker on work-life balance. Her mission is to help us reduce stress, achieve goals, and enjoy a better balance in life. She's been on the Today Show. She's been on numerous networks. Trisha is a speaker, a coach, and an author. And let's face it, if there is a year where we need to focus on better work-life balance, it is 2020. 2020 has just rewritten the rules on absolutely everything that we're doing. Many of us are doing more work from home now than we ever have, which means we're working at home and we're not spending time on other things like our families, like hobbies. All the things that we used to do in the past for stress relief, we're not doing because it's so easy to work from home right now. Now, some of us have worked from home for a long time and we have struggled with this for years. So I'm thinking that today's episode will help us all out quite a bit. So I hope you enjoy my interview with speaker, coach, and author, Trisha Malloy. My lab partner today is Trisha Malloy. And Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today on Scaling Up H2O. You and I recently met at the event that I shared with the Scaling Up Nation a few months ago where I did a TED Talk for my business coach, Tim Fulton. So how are you? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, I really enjoyed your speech. I was sharing with you before we started recording that I don't remember a lot of it because I was really into what I had to do that day. So I think I I'm going to be learning right along with the Scaling Up Nation. But a couple of weeks back, I did share my TED Talk experience with the nation. And I, I know you haven't listened to that, but I'm kind of wondering, what was the process that you went through when uh, Tim asked you to speak? Well, I speak for a living, so that made it a little bit easier, perhaps, than for you. I've been presenting this program for, um, oh gosh, maybe 10 years now. Just keep updating it as I go along and I get inspired by my audience and what they have to share with me. But I think the toughest part is, is what, what, do we, what do we have, 15 minutes? That was the toughest part. I, I usually speak for an hour, an hour and a half. 
And we didn't, we weren't allowed because it was a TED Talk to have much interaction with the audience. So that was a little tough, but it was a great group. And I, I really enjoyed all the speakers. I, I, I really enjoyed your talk, I guess maybe because I was, <laughs> it's going to sound, uh, hope you take it in the right way. I wasn't expecting uh, a lot. <laughs> And, and because you weren't a professional speaker, but you were so entertaining. I really enjoyed your energy. I did not know Tim was going to do what he did when he got up and say that I wasn't on a professional speaking circuit. So um, <laughs> uh, I guess he did that to lower the bar. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's expectations were down there. So you mentioned you are a professional speaker. Tell us a little bit about that. I am. So I've had a marketing business for 31 years now. And because I love to write, I decided that I would write a book about how I, how I run my business and how I look at life and the strategies that I've used that have helped me along the way. And really, it was about halfway through the book that I thought, well, maybe I'll actually start speaking about this. And so when the book came out, which was in 2006, I started speaking. I started speaking at companies and professional associations and learned about how to share this message with more people. And now I just, I love to speak. So most of my work now is in speaking and very little is in marketing right now. The only thing I do with marketing is I, I interview my clients' clients and write testimonial quotes. But other than that, it's all about speaking. And what are some of the things that you speak about? So I'm, a, I'm an expert on how to develop a positive mindset to achieve goals and to enjoy better balance. So the Crave Your Goals program is all about goal getting. And then I do a program on better balance where I, I talk about the why, the what, and the how of uh, what most people, the term that most people use is, is work-life integration. You know, there is no such thing as perfect balance, but there are ways to integrate your work and your the rest of your life so that you can, you know, protect your health, you can uh, have better relationships, you can be more productive. So I love doing that. And the third thing I do is I facilitate vision board workshops for typically high potential employees. Um, And have you ever done a vision board? I have seen people do them. I have never done one myself. It's a great experience. And there's scientific proof around why it works. In fact, one of the clients that I work with is the CDC. Um, there's a, a reticular activating system in your brain and it acts as a spam filter. And so when you create a vision board, you program your brain, your subconscious, you say, this is what's important to me. And it tends to make you more aware of opportunities and resources to move you in that direction. It's just a fun thing to do. And it's a great way to communicate with others about what's most important. I have a a pro bono commitment the last few years. Every quarter, I facilitate a a vision board workshop for the Women's Academy at Wellspring Living, which is an organization in town that helps to rehabilitate victims of sex trafficking. And that's just amazing because I, I show these women how to picture what their life is going to look like, and then they get up at the end and they do an impromptu show and tell. And uh, it's very powerful because it, it, it allows them to claim the life that they deserve, but also to communicate that to their colleagues and the staff at Wellspring so that they can help to support that. Now, there might be some people in the nation that are listening and they've never heard of the term vision board. How would you describe that to them? Ah, so a vision board is simply a bulletin board or a cork board where you place images 
and words and phrases of what you want to manifest in your life. And there are many ways to do it. Some people have different boards for different goals. Some people segment the boards in different categories like relationships and money and health. Uh, And I always say, you know, when someone says, am I doing it right? I say, well, how does it make you feel? And if it, if it resonates with you, then yes, you're doing it right. And so you create this board and it's an organic process. So you continue to add to it, prune it as you go along. And then you place it somewhere that you'll see every day. And what I always recommend is I say, if you can just spend about a minute with the board each day and ask yourself this simple question, which is what's one thing I can do today to bring me closer to this reality? And it's a very powerful tool and it's fun to do with with groups, whether it's team members at at your company or family or friends. It's just a fun way to reflect, to um, maybe get enough courage to to claim what you want and then to be able to to talk about it with other people and and find out how you can support each other. I, I can't think of any other process where you are able to do that. You know, just talking about it, just writing goals down. It's not the same as when you have that full picture of a vision board. So I'm trying to think just so people get the imagery. So I'm trying to reach more people in my water treatment community. We're trying to get more listeners. So what would some of the things be for a vision board around that? I know they'd be personal for me, but just talking out loud. Sure. So, well, you know, Think about, you know, if you close your eyes and you imagine what that actually looks like, and then if you can come up with a picture, whether you cut it out of a magazine or you, you, you draw it or you find it on the internet, whether it's, you know, a group of people that you, you can claim to be the kind of clients that you want to work with. Also, I think inspirational quotes for a lot of people are, are very powerful. So you might have a quote there around building up your business. You know, those are some of the things, you know, typically people in a vision board, they'll put, they'll include things around um, family and relationships, health, finances, work related, fun. You know, if, if you've always wanted to enjoy a particular sport, but you never feel, felt like you had enough time, just put a picture of what that is on there. And it'll be interesting to see how that starts to become more available to you. Well, that's very interesting. I might try that. Okay. Good. I hope you do. And I hope you let me know what you think when you do it. I definitely will. And the reason I wanted to so badly bring you on Scaling Up H2O was I really enjoyed what you said at the Small Business Matters Conference. You seem to have boiled down five simple steps that just makes our life a little bit easier. And I was hoping you would share with the Scaling Up Nation what those five steps are. Sure. So my book is called Working with Wisdom, 10 Universal Principles for Enlightened Entrepreneurs. And when I first started speaking, I covered all 10 principles from the book. So they're all great strategies. They've been around forever. They're strategies like defining your life purpose and staying present and embracing prosperity. And although my audiences seem to be inspired, a lot of them were somewhat overwhelmed. It was just too much information. And, and some of what I was sharing, I believe, was butting up against their own limiting beliefs. And I thought, well, let me do this differently because I wanted to really serve my audience. And, and sometimes, you know, as you know, when you speak, if you throw too many things at them, nothing sticks. So I thought, well, let me just focus on five. And then if I could come up with an acronym to make it easier to remember and to practice and to share with others, 
And then if that acronym could be a juicy kind of emotion packed acronym, then I'd have something. And that's where Crave came in. So that's how I created, oh, about 10 years ago, Crave Your Goals. And Crave is an acronym for five steps. Would you like to know what those are? Very much I would like to know what those are. (laughs) Okay. So the first is clean out the clutter. Clutter distracts and confuses us. It drains our energy and it keeps us from doing what's most important. It gets in the way of our goals and our dreams. So we have physical clutter, like a messy office, or perhaps even, you know, if a lot of your listeners are driving around a lot, it might be a messy car, you know, messy trunk, messy front or back seat. So that's that's clutter that gets in the way. There's also, you know, uh, the clutter of a jam-packed clothes closet where the clothes uh, no longer, half the clothes no longer fit your size, your lifestyle, or, or perhaps your era. Now, I've got to stop you there because my wife made me read this book last year. It was called The Japanese Art of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And oh, now yeah. Stacy, my wife, I love her, but now we have these closet days and we've got to take things out and see if we're going to use them and then we'll donate them, which is a good thing. But it has just been, uh, I wouldn't say it's the most fun thing that I have to do on my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel better? I will tell you that the things that are in my closet are things that I wear. There's nothing else in there and I can find them. I had so much stuff that I didn't know that I had and <laughs> they would have they would have just stayed in my closet. And the cool thing about it is that I was able to let them go and now I know people that need them are actually using them. And that's probably the best part of it. Oh, isn't that great? You recognize just how much abundance we all have. And sometimes, yeah, it's it's time to let some of our stuff go so that we can support the success of other people. Now, in in the book, she did go into, you go into thanking the item. Now, I will admit, I do not do that. Uh, But (laughs) I, I do appreciate that I have it. And then I set it free to go live with somebody else. But I do enjoy being able to find things when I need to find them. Yes, yes. Just think of how much time and energy you're saving. So that's the physical clutter, but then you have the the technical clutter. You know, that's the information overload, spending too much time on the internet, your over-reliance on your cell phone. And then you've got the emotional clutter. And that's the stuff that keeps us up at night. It's the what ifs, the regrets, the resentments, the uh, unfinished business, unnecessary obligations. It's the toxic people in our life. You know, I like to say those are the ones that light up a room when when they leave it. (laughs) (laughs) So clutter is a big issue. There's a universal law that says the universe abhors a vacuum. And so when you release the stuff that doesn't serve you, you allow the universe to fill it with what serves your highest good. So I'm so glad when I came up with the Cray formula that, that clean out the clutter was first, because most people will say that's where they start in order to get through any of the other strategies. Well, that's interesting. I know a lot of us maybe didn't think of clutter outside of what's on our desks or what's in our cars. So you're you're making us think about all the clutter that we have in our lives. And I've got to ask you, and maybe you're going to get to this, and I don't want to uh, cut you short, but is there a right and wrong way to start? Oh, that's a good question. And I don't know the answer to it. I think certainly everybody has their own ideas and personalities when it comes to things like that. I always say just uh, set a timer for 15 minutes. Everybody can find 15 minutes in the day and just begin 
wherever you want to begin, maybe someplace easy like a, a junk drawer or just a, a, you know, one file cabinet or whatever it might be. And then, you know, after 15 minutes, you know, you're, you're free to do whatever else you want. Chances are you'll continue if you've got the time. But sometimes if we, if we tell ourselves it's only for a short period of time, that's what helps us to get started. I like that advice because we can do anything for 15 minutes. Although if we do the Marie Kondo approach, you're supposed to dump everything out. So then you're kind of stuck until you're finished. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that's when I clean out my closet. That's what I do. I, I pull everything out. It's, I find that's the only way to really do a good job. But that, then you have to figure out you've got a half a day's worth, worth of work that you need to focus on. Well, I think I'm going to take 15 minutes today and I'm going to clean out something. And I will report back to you on that. Oh, good. I like that. So I'm giving you these assignments already. Okay, That's good. right. <laughs> so, so the next step for R is raise your energy. And what, what I explain is that energy management is just as important as time management when it comes to achieving goals. And we are all vibrational energy beings. We vibrate at different levels at different times. And vibrations is just another word for feelings and emotions. It's our attitude. And when we're taking good care of ourselves and we feel appreciated, we'll vibrate at a high, positive, constructive level. And because energy attracts like energy, we'll attract people and circumstances that vibrate at that same level. But when we're burned out and stressed out, we're not taking good care of ourselves, we'll vibrate at a low, dark, negative level. And because misery loves company, we'll attract people and circumstances that vibrate at that same level. So the more that you're aware of where your energy is and find ways to bring your energy up, we're not talking about frenetic energy, we're just talking about healthy energy. It really makes a difference. So I always say, you know, think about what your mom and your doctor has always told you. You know, eat healthy, drink plenty of water, get enough rest, sleep is a big issue for a lot of people, and then get some exercise in, some type of physical activity. But then it goes deeper than that. It's about spending time with positive, successful, supportive people and less time with the others. You know, it's about enjoying great music. It's about dancing, singing, singing with others, doing what brings you joy, uh, practicing random and not so random acts of kindness. Spending time in nature is a big, a big energy booster for a lot of people. I'm curious, how, how do you raise your energy? I would say that my favorite thing to do with that is scuba dive. I'm a scuba dive instructor, and I just feel so right with everything after I finished a scuba dive. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I don't scuba dive. I, I snorkel, but I often, when I'm snorkeling, think I wish everyone in the world could have this experience to just be in the world of the tropical fish and just enjoy that. Talk about a stress reliever. And you can take that 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 feeling with you once you have left that area too it stays with you if you wanted to yeah i think i experienced a lot of different levels when i scuba dive the one that i think is the best for me is is that weightless feeling that i can i can fly around like superman uh i don't have my cell phone down there with me which is awesome <laughs> they don't work underwater and it's very difficult to talk underwater, so you're alone with your thoughts. So all of those things just really play really well with me. And then you add all the beautiful things that you get to see underwater, and it it's just makes just leaves me feel awesome. Good. So you want to know the next step? I would love to know the next step. Okay. So A is for affirm success. Now, studies show that we speak to ourselves at least 10,000 times a day. 
And 80% of that tends to be negative, even the most enlightened of us, because we're programmed to protect ourselves against worst case scenarios. But the good news is that affirmations or positive self-talk can help counter those negative messages with ones that support our success. And the rule of thumb when it comes to affirmations is to keep them positive, in the present, and brief. Do you use affirmations? I do not. And the thing that comes to mind when you say that is the Saturday Night Live skit, the Stuart Smalley guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I sure do. I, I've even blogged about him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good yeah, enough. So I'm strong enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> exactly. So for somebody like me that doesn't use those, and maybe the only thing I know about them is, is Stuart Smalley, what advice do you have for me? So the news is that you are using affirmations, but probably most of them are negative. So you probably have been saying to yourself in certain challenging situations, I'll never figure this out. I'm not smart enough. You know, it's not going to happen for me. Those kinds of things we all do. And so once you start to become more aware of those negative messages that we all tell ourselves, if you can start to flip them around to the positive, then you start to use affirmations that that will support you. So I'll tell you a little story about an affirmation that's worked really well for me. So I I was writing my book and decided that I wanted to become a good speaker. And I'd spoken with my marketing business over the years, but not as a paid professional speaker. So I joined Toastmasters and I started to go to the meetings. And when I got up enough courage, I signed up for the five to seven minute icebreaker talk. And I was a mess. My mouth was dry. My legs were shaking, my heart was racing. I held on to that lectern for dear life. I fumbled for my note cards like I didn't know the subject, which was me. That's the icebreaker. You're supposed to talk about yourself. And so I went through that about three humbling times until finally a kind evaluator said to me, you know, you've fallen in love with your words. You are a writer before you're a speaker and you've written this script and you're speaking from your head instead of your heart. And he was right. So when I went home that day and I thought, well, what of the strategies that I'm writing about in this book can help me to become a better speaker. And I realized it was a simple affirmation, which was, I love to speak. Because I really did love to speak. I just wasn't very good at it. So I started to say it to myself. I started to say it out loud. I started to say it to my family who knew I was struggling with this. My friends would say, how's that speaking going? I'd say, oh, I'd love to speak. Come hear me speak. And I was using that affirmation as part of faking it until you can make it. And then on the next time on, on my way to my Toastmasters meeting, I remember in the car going, I love to speak. I love to speak. I love to share my wisdom. When I got to the meeting, a well-meaning member of the group came running over to me and said, ah, you're on the agenda today. You're speaking. Are you nervous? And I said, no, I love to speak. <laughs> nearly knocked him over. <laughs> but I did a pretty good job and I got better and better. I remember you told that story at uh, at Tim's conference, and a friend of mine who was a sponsor, his name was Garrett, he was very nervous about getting in front of everybody. And that was the first thing that he said when he got in front of. So you inspired him. <laughs> That's right. I remember him walking up very sheepishly to the microphone and going, I love to speak. Everybody got a kick out of that. But yeah, really think about the the skills you need to master to achieve the goals you crave. You know, it could be, I love to ask for help. I love to learn new things. I love to learn new technology. You know, anything that's kind of keeping you back just by saying something like that. And at first, you may not believe it, but eventually it'll give you that confidence and that focus that you need. It's a, it's a powerful tool. And um, 
yeah, I, I hope you, so here's your other assignment. So, you know, come up with an affirmation. Think about a challenge that you have, maybe, you know, related to business. And think about an affirmation that your coach or your best friend might tell you. That's another thing. Well, what would my coach or best friend tell me? And why aren't I saying that to myself? And then, and then write it out. Post it places you'll see every day, like your bathroom mirror, um, the dashboard of your car, maybe by your your computer screen, because we get distracted and it, it helps to have that reminder. And whenever you can, just say it to yourself, say it out loud. When it's appropriate, say it to other people. Affirmations are a really powerful tool. No, I've never really looked at it before until you mentioned it, that I do program that it's more negative and, and hardly any positive. So that's, that's something interesting to realize. And if that's the dialogue that we're going on and on with internally, those are the things that we're going to seek out. So I like what you're saying. That's right. That's right. Just play with it. It's fun. And if you start to hear yourself saying the negative, yeah, just, just flip it. Just keep flipping it. Awesome. I am curious, though, what were you blogging about Stuart Smalley? Oh, about about how he introduced affirmations to a whole generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's how, that's how most people know. And it's interesting, you know, when I talk about affirmations, sometimes people will say, um, I don't use them because I don't want to jinx myself. And I, I, the first time I heard that, I thought, that's interesting. And for that person, that was that was real to them, that, that was a real issue for them. Because, um, you know, if, if you say you're going to do something, you don't do something, it's, you know, for some people, that's, uh, you know, a, a challenge. So I don't know, does that ever come up for you? Like if you, if you, if you thought about an affirmation, you, it would, but it's not true yet, that you might jinx yourself? No, I don't think it does for me. I think I'm always looking to see, you know, what the next step is, what is the goal that I'm trying to achieve. So uh, for me, no, it doesn't. Okay, good. Well, there's a V in there. What's the next step? Yeah, V is for visualize. So every top athlete has harnessed the power of visualization. The runner sees herself breaking through the tape at the end of the race. The golfer sees the hole in one. Even my son, Connor, I've, I've got 25-year-old twins now, boy and girl, Connor and Allison. And when Connor was about 10 years old, he told me that he imaginated catching the crucial inning-ending fly ball even before it was hit to him in center field when he was playing Little League. Imaginated. I love it. Imaginated. Yeah. He coined that. So, you know, what can you imaginate? What can you visualize about the goals that you say are important to you? And the idea is to... So say you are going to make a, a good example would be you're going to make a presentation in front of a group. So the morning before you do that, just spend a couple of minutes just picturing yourself doing just a great job and having the audience respond so favorably. And so you're picturing that, whether it's a still picture or a motion picture, and then you are you're you're infusing it with all your senses. You know, it's more than just what you look like. Of course, it's what you sound like and and you, you're feeling everything. So you're creating this new new reality and then to infuse it with the emotions that you feel. So it could be pride, it could be joy, it could be relief. And that's, that's when things really start to happen. So you have the picture, then you engage all your, your, the senses, and then you infuse it with all the different emotions. And if you can do that before 
a, a particularly challenging event in your life, especially, or a goal that you're trying to reach, you'll find that you're more calm. You'll find that you're more confident. And it's kind of like mental rehearsal. And then, of course, we talked about vision boards. That's one of the best ways to accelerate the power of visualization by creating a vision board. Yeah, I love this one. I'm a huge fan of the seven habits of highly effective people. And habit two is begin with the end in mind. And if you can visualize where you're going, what it looks like, what it feels like, then it's just going to help you get there and you know when you've arrived. That's right. That's right. Well, awesome. Now there's one more that starts with E. Yep. And that's express thanks, cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Because what we focus on expands and what we appreciate appreciates. And we tend to focus on what's not going right, what we don't have instead of what is going right and what we do have. So a simple way to cultivate that attitude of gratitude is to keep a gratitude journal, just a simple notebook that you keep by your bed and a few nights a week, write a brief list of what you are grateful for that day and include one unique entry. So that gets you during the day to think, well, what am I going to add to my gratitude journal? And you notice I said a couple of nights a week, a short list. You know, this does not take much time or energy, but once you start doing it, you will be committed to it because it'll make you feel good. It'll get you to focus on what, what good came that day because we tend to, you know, it's just human nature. At the end of the day, we, we're thinking about all the things that didn't go right and all the mistakes that we made, the, the, the connections we weren't able to make, whatever it might be. And instead, when you focus on what's going right, it gives you more peace of mind. It makes you more positive. It'll help you get a better night's sleep. So the next morning, you can be even more productive. Do you ever recommend that you express thanks for what others have done, maybe with a written note? Does that go in there as well? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's a famous Gallup poll that says the number one reason why someone decides to leave their job in a good economy is not because of not enough money or too much stress. It's because they simply did not feel appreciated. So think about the people in your life, both professionally and personally. And are you are you telling them enough how much you appreciate who they are and how they support your success? You know, whether it's related to goals or perhaps just getting having more uh, better balance in your life. And there was a there was a great book that came out many years ago called The Five Love Languages. Are you familiar with that? I am familiar with that. I am words of affirmation. Ah, words of affirmation. So I am time together. That's my number one. And, and a couple of years ago, they did a, a, a business version of that book. And it was, I think it's called something like the five languages of appreciation in the workplace using the same five. So it's, it's gifts, words of affirmation, time, service, and touch. Yeah. So those were the, the five. So my thought is on this is, you know, you, we each have our own preference, but everybody else has their own preference as well. So when you're trying to truly show appreciation to someone else, it's worth it to find what their predominant um, preference is when it comes to expressing appreciation. That's such a great point. I never thought about it until you just said it. There's lots of things I've realized that you've brought to light today. 
But I remember years ago, somebody sent me a thank you card and, and nobody does that anymore. Nobody takes the time to actually put a pen to paper and then put a stamp on it and mail it. But I remember I got it at a time in my life when a lot of things were happening and it was just so good to see that this person cared enough to thank me for something that I did for them. And it really, it really made me feel good. And I guess that's because of the words of affirmation that, that I, uh, I really identify with. But since that day, I try to take time and send cards out to other people because it made me feel so good. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Doesn't always happen, but I do try to do that. Yeah. And you're way ahead because most people will not, you know, so it really stands out. You know, you'll get the emails, but not not the notes in, in, in the mail. And when you get a note like that, don't you post it and don't you look at it much more often than you would an email? Actually, I have one that my wife had packed in my lunch years ago. She found this little quirky card and it was two goldfish. And one goldfish was jumping out of his bowl to get into the other goldfish bowl and said, you know, I, I want to be with you or something. I can't remember what the inside of the card <laughs> said, but the outside of the card, I actually framed and it's in my office here. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. So let's recap for the Scaling Up Nation. So what are what's the acronym and what are the five steps again? So CRAVE stands for Clean Out the Clutter, Physical, Technical, Emotional Clutter that Gets in the Way. R is for Raise Your Energy. A is for Affirm Success. Use Positive Self-Talk. B is for Visualize. And E is for Express Thanks, Cultivating that Attitude of Gratitude. I am pretty sure that there are people out there listening that says, this sounds great, or maybe this even sounds too new age for them to try. So my question for you on their behalf is that this sounds way too simple. Does it really work? Yes, it does. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting too, like um, I was doing a, a talk recently and someone was challenging the concept of affirmations. And I realized that for some reason, they thought it was like a magical incantation. And so once we talked a little bit more, you know, I explained, yes, affirmations will help you stay positive and get you pointed in the right direction, but you got to do the work. It just doesn't happen. You just don't say it and it appears. So I think that's a big piece of it too. These are all tools. These are all tools, but you've got to do the work. It's, it's, you know, nothing comes that easy. Are there any extraordinary clients that you've worked with where, and by extraordinary, I mean that talking with you, they might've had certain issues they were dealing with and they did some or all of these things and they just had fantastic results. Sure. You know, so many different anecdotal information that I get back from people that I've worked with. Sometimes it has to do with getting enough confidence to apply for promotion at work um, and then excel once they do that. But before they, do, they had all these doubts and they weren't sure if they could handle leading other people and also what that would mean for their family life and if, if their family would suffer if they took on a leadership role. So between affirmations and visualization and all of that, they were able to, to move forward and make it work. I'm trying to think of um, some of the things that, that I've worked on. Uh, you know, one time 
we talked about the toxic people thing and how that keeps people back. And I got a note from somebody who was in my audience saying, I know this might sound silly, but I'm so glad that you gave me permission to end that toxic relationship. And I don't know why I held on to it for so long, but when you explained how what effect it was having on me and my family, I realized that it was time I got the courage up to, to end that relationship. So you know, you just never know what you'll say that'll that'll grab somebody's attention. I was talking about the gra- the power of the gratitude journal when I spoke last week to a group of CEOs, and afterwards this woman came up to me and she said, you know, a few years ago I picked up a gratitude gratitude journal at at a Goodwill store. When I got it home, I realized that the first couple of pages had already been written in it. And so I started to read about what this woman was grateful for. And it wasn't until the second page that I realized she had no legs. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so what a gift that was for for this woman that was talking to me to put things into perspective. She says, because I was in a dark place and I was trying to figure out, you know, maybe by using a gratitude journal that I would feel better. And reading that just put everything in perspective. And I recognized that I had nothing you know, I had nothing to um, to complain about. I could, I had, I had what it took to do what I needed to do. Wow, I love that story. That's very impactful. Yeah, it is. It is another thing. You know, talk about affirmations. The other day, somebody was sharing about how they recognize the power of affirmations so much that you know, like if you use your phone as your as your alarm clock, and usually, well, for me, I I pick just a. A, a tone that, that's pleasant enough, but will wake me up. Well, she said that there's a place on the phone and I have to go look at it and do it for myself where you can just record your own voice. And what she does is she has about a minute of affirmations that she records. And so that's what she wakes up to in the morning. Interesting. I wonder if there's a book out there that explains what your ringtone or what your alarm tone actually says about you. Mine's Lion King. I wake up to the Lion King theme every single morning. Oh, that's great. That's great. So what's the alternative if somebody says, okay, this sounds great, but you know, I'm not going to do it. There's no reason to do it. I don't see that I'm going to bring this into my life. What's the default to not doing this? Well, staying where you are. I mean, some people are satisfied with their status quo and that's fine too. But, you know, if you aspire to, to do more, if you feel like you have a purpose in life that you need to express, if you know that you can make a difference in other people's lives, it it takes commitment and it takes, you know, staying positive in a world that sometimes can be very negative. What's the one thing that you want to get through to the Scaling Up Nation from our interview? It's all about making conscious choices. You know, we make we make hundreds, if not thousands of choices every day. And if we took, took a step back and looked at some of those choices that we're making and just simply asked, is this serving me? There's a lot of choices that we would make differently, but we tend to get into a rut or a routine. And I think we kind of jip ourselves out of what the kind of life that we could be, be living. So conscious choices is a big piece. And I know we covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time, and sometimes visuals go a long way to help explaining things. Are there some items that you can share with us so we can share with the Scaling Up Nation uh, on our show notes page? And then how can people find out more about what you do and how they can start to do some of those things as well? 
Yes. So my website is simply trishamalloy.com and that's T-R-I-C-I-A-M-O-L-L-O-Y. And I have a newsletter you can sign up for on the homepage. And I get that out about once a week. And it's always an inspiring story that's related to some of these strategies. And I have, a, I have an infographic, a Crave infographic that I will send to you. It's something that can be printed and then posted of the, four, the five Crave steps. So that would be helpful. I also have an article that summarizes what I've covered today. And I, it's something that will be a refresher to you, but also a, um, something that to, sh- to share with somebody else that may not have listened to this podcast. Because I, I believe one of the most powerful steps you can take once you're inspired by something like this is to find an accountability buddy. Find someone who also wants to do the Crave Steps and wants to reach another level in their life and in their business. And so if you can find somebody like that, you can hold each other accountable. And this article will summarize what we've covered. So it'll make it a little easier. Yeah, I think that is so key about having somebody else besides yourself to hold you accountable because we are the first people that will let ourselves down and go throughout our day. I know when uh, I swim and when I meet somebody at the pool, I go to the pool because I don't want to let them down. But when five o'clock in the morning rolls around and I'm not meeting anybody, it is so easy to turn that Lion King song off and go back to bed. (laughs) That's right. Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been awesome. I'm sure that we have inspired a lot of people. We're going to put some information up on the show notes page so people can get started with this. And I, I know firsthand by speaking with you and doing some of the things that you've said that it really can make a difference. So I'm really excited to hear what the Scaling Up Nation is doing from this episode, but I'm not quite done with you yet. I would like to ask you a few lightning round questions if you're ready for that. Sure. All right. So you now have the ability to go back in time. You are going to go back in time to the very first day you started as a professional speaker. What advice would you give yourself? Wow. I think I would give myself the advice to have enough courage to tell my story. So I've been speaking now, since professionally speaking, since 2006. And it ha- it's only been the last couple of years where I shared what in, in the speaker world is called your origin story. You know, what qualifies and motivates you to share this message? And so it, when I talk about that, I talk about that, you know, I was living a great life. And um, my husband and I had three-year-old twins and, and we, were, we were very, very busy. And sometimes we were focused on the wrong things and, and our energies got diverted into different areas. And, and he, he passed away. He, he died of a heart attack in his sleep. And so that was um, in 97. And it was a turning point for me. Once I, once I recovered from that, I thought, I'm not going to waste one more day, you know, focus on things that just don't matter. And that took me in the direction of the life that I chose to live, the writing the book, the speaking, and, and talking to other people about what, what, what's really important in your life. And, and let's get you focused on that because none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. That's a very well-taken point. What are the last three books that you've read? Well, 
I read a lot of articles and not too many books lately, but the book that I'm reading now is called Atomic Habits. You familiar with that book? I am not. I think his name is James Clear, and it's a very good book about how to get in the right mindset to develop habits that will help you achieve goals. And one of the things he says in it that I'm going to explore probably in a, in a blog post soon is the concept of identity. You know, what is your identity? And do you need to shift what you assume your identity is in order to be more successful? And he uses a, sim- a simple example. He says, so say you want to stop smoking and somebody hands you a cigarette. You can either say, no, I'm trying to stop smoking or no, I do not smoke. You see the difference there between I'm trying to stop smoking and I'm not a smoker? Right. And, that, and that's the idea of identity. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with that because it ties right into developing new habits and achieving goals. So that, that's, that's an interesting book that I recommend. All right. Well, now, this next question actually comes from Tim Fulton. I have heard him ask it many, many times. So I have adopted it into my show. But he would ask people that eventually with a life like yours, they are going to make a movie about you. Who plays <laughs> you? Oh, yeah. Tim is a very wise man. I'm wondering <laughs> who plays Tim. <laughs> I, I see. I always thought David Letterman and Tim look very similar. Oh, definitely. Not, definitely. Not, not David yeah. Letterman with the beard, the new David Letterman, but the old David Letterman. Yeah. Yeah. David Letterman, the new David Letterman looks like Santa Claus, I think. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So who would play me? So are we thinking about someone who physically looks like me or energy or... I guess well, it could be any of that, right? As Tim would say, it's however you interpret that question. Yeah. Um, I think I would go with uh, Julia Roberts. I think she has the range that would be needed to, to um, play me in, in, a, in a movie. I would probably go with her or maybe Laura Linney. Okay. I think because um, I like her as an actress. Yeah. It's okay. kind of fun to think about it. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. <laughs> Hollywood's reviewing the script as we speak. <laughs> My final question is, you can now speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? Mm. I think it would be Benjamin Franklin. I've always admired him, how creative he's been, what a problem solver he was. And I once went to see an exhibit of his inventions at the Atlanta History Center And what struck me is a quote that was on the wall that was attributed to him. And it was basically every morning when he woke up, the the thing that he would say, the question he would ask is, what good shall I do today? And I do that every morning. I think that's great advice and a great quote. Well, Tricia, thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O. I know you are going to inspire a lot of people, and I really appreciate you doing it. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Tricia, thanks again. Great information. And folks, I have to let you know, I recorded Tricia a while ago, well before the pandemic. It was right after Tim Fulton's Small Business Matters Conference after I did my TED Talk. And of course, I shared that with her and you in the interview itself. And folks, I've said this before, but if you are trying something new, if you're coming out of your comfort zone, 
and you are working on something brand new, you're getting nervous. I always love that feeling. And I describe that feeling. I describe the entire process that I went through on episode 92. By the way, that is how Stephen Covey talks about the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And that's what he talks about in habit one. I always refer to habit one being the habit of power because you realize that habit one, which is be proactive, when you're proactive, you're no longer a victim. You are taking responsibility for every single one of your choices. You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now in life because of all the things that happened to you. Now, maybe you don't like that. Maybe you love that. It doesn't matter. You're there. So proactively, the choices you make to change things are, are proactive, and that's where you get the power. And the way he describes proactive is people fall in two categories. They're either proactive or they're reactive. If they are reactive, they focus on the outer circle, which is called the circle of concern. And these are things that happen that concern us, but we don't necessarily have control over. The inner circle is called the circle of influence. And this is where the proactive person focuses their decisions, their actions. And eventually over time, that circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And things that used to lie in the realm of just concerning them, they now actually have influence over. So being proactive, habit number one, and we're actually doing the seven habits of highly effective people as our book in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And folks, I have to tell you, this has been my absolute favorite time teaching the seven habits of highly effective people to a group. I have spoken about seven habits of highly effective people, helped them read it through on their own as a book. And I've loved doing that since I was 19 years old. I truly love this material, but there's just something about doing it with fellow water treaters. And it's not just me sharing information. We're going around the entire group. They're explaining how they understand what they're reading. And I have read this book dozens of times. And because of how we're doing it, I am getting so much out of it myself. In The Seven Habits, it says when you teach something, you are going to get more out of it than what you put in. And I have to tell you, that is definitely what is going on here. And we are just loving this book and discussing it in the Rising Tide Mastermind. But let's get back to that vision board that Trisha asked me about. Here it is almost a year later after Trisha and I finished this interview and I am reporting to the Scaling Up Nation, I still have not done a vision board. In fact, last year at one of my retreats, we were instructed to do a vision board and share it with the rest of the business group team. Well, I tried and my mind just doesn't work that way. I know a lot of people do vision boards. Uh, a good friend of mine does it. He's an artist and it's just fantastic to walk into his office and he's just so creative 
And he's got all of these different things that he's put on one of his walls. And when he gets stuck for an idea, he just stares. I mean, this is probably hundreds of pictures on his wall. And he gets inspired from that. Well, I started thinking as I was having so much issue creating my own vision board for this retreat, that the reason I didn't do well with the vision board is I actually connect differently. If you've ever seen a picture of my office, you'll see that I have back to the future stuff all over my office. And I explain why I have the back to the future stuff. If you listen to episode 92, I use that movie as a metaphor on how we do our business planning. But I also noticed that I have these little totems all over my office to remind me and then also people in my company of things that we do and we need to continue doing. An example of that is, you know, I'm very fond of the book Traction that talks about the entrepreneur operating system. Well, right there in the middle of our conference table, there is a school bus. And that's to remind us that we have to have the right people on the right seats of the bus, and we even continue the metaphor out even further, we say that the bus needs to be tuned up, the wheels need to be in shape and balance, and all those things as a metaphor for our company needs to make sure that all of our planning, all of our metrics are in order. So that's making sure that the bus is ready to take a road trip. I kind of consider myself as the bus driver, so I'm steering us where we need to go. There's another individual that's making sure that we're financially healthy. And then as the people board the bus, those are all the different seats or positions that we have here in the company that those right people that boarded the bus can choose to sit down in. So, uh, and then we have so much of the different metaphors. I can just keep going on and on with the bus. Uh, I even, all of our core values, and by the way, the core values that we have uh, are what determines a right person. I have a certain totem for each core value. In fact, I will give you an example of one of the totems that we use for a core value. So one of our core values is solution-oriented. And solution-oriented, we define very specifically here in our company. And I think if you're doing your core values, it's very important that you don't only choose the word, but you choose what the definition is. And everybody knows that. So not important what our definition is with that, but with solution-oriented, The totem I have is a stuffed camel. And I know you're thinking, what the heck does a stuffed camel have to do with solution-oriented? Well, I'm going to tell you the story that I tell whenever I teach our core values and we get to solution-oriented. So here's the story. There was an old camel farmer that passed away and he had 17 camels. And the custom was that he left the camels in the order of most to least to oldest to youngest son. Well, he had three sons. So in his will, 
he stated that he was going to leave one half of the 17 camels to his oldest son, one third of the 17 camels to his middle son, and one ninth of the 17 camels to his youngest son. Well, of course, after the funeral, the reading of the will, the sons got together and they tried to do the math, but they could not get one half to divide into 17. They couldn't get one third of 17 and they couldn't get one ninth of 17. They tried and tried. They stayed up all night. They wanted to make sure that they honored their father's wishes and they just couldn't do it. So they decided that they were going to walk into the village and consult this wise old woman that lived in the village. They told her of their issue, and the old woman kind of scratched her head, and she said, well, I really can't help you, but I will give you my camel. I have one camel, and perhaps that might help you with your issue. So not knowing what to do, the three brothers took her camel back to their farm, and they'd started dividing up the camels. They took one half of 18 because they now had an extra camel. They had 18 camels now. One half of 18 is nine. The oldest brother took nine camels. They took one third of 18, which was six. The middle brother took six camels. They then took one ninth of 18, which was two. The youngest brother took his two. They added all of those up and came up with 17 and had one camel left over that they returned to the wise old woman. So here's the point of the story, and here's why we use the camel as the symbol for solution-oriented. The solution was always there. It wasn't until they looked outside of the box for a different solution that they were able to solve the problem. So... The next time you are faced with an issue and you can't necessarily find a common solution, think of the camel and maybe that might orient you to a solution you've never thought about. So now you know a little bit about the totems in my office, and I am going to declare that that is my version of the vision board. And if you've ever come to my office, I will gladly show you all these little trinkets and toys and posters and all this stuff that we have that I can tell you a story about. So I hope that today's episode gets you thinking about a whole bunch of things, but especially about improving your work-life balance. Work-life balance, let's just face it, work-life balance is something that is so easy to get off balance with how we're working in 2020. And by the way, we hold each other accountable in the Rising Tide Mastermind for making sure we are doing the important things that we have to do, not just at work, but in every relationship that we have in our lives. And then we go even further, we hold each other accountable that they're going to do the things that they say they're going to do with each one of those relationships. Well, folks, next week, another brand new episode. It is a pinks and blues episode. 
which means it's going to be just with me and just with you. So it's our private little podcast that we have together. And then the week after that, it is the AWT Virtual Convention. So I told you about all the cool things that I'm gonna be doing there. I hope to see you at one of those events that I mentioned. And folks, you definitely want to tune in for the Friday episode that's taking place during the convention because I have some really exciting news to announce to you. I can't tell you about it now, but I will tell you about it then. And then, of course, the week after that, each and every day of that week, we will be doing something special for Industrial Water Week. Folks, I hope you have a terrific rest of your week. I will be coming at you next week with that brand new Pinks and Blues episode. In the meantime, please stay safe out there and have a great week, folks. Scaling Up Nation, on episode 136, you heard from four members of the Rising Tide Mastermind. One of those members was Eric Russo. And Eric is an extremely busy individual. And I asked him the question, how he found the time and why he decided to join the Rising Tide Mastermind. Here's what he said. Like most people in the water treatment industry, there's always a struggle with work and life. And I had a daughter on the way and I was probably a little more mindful of how much I was working and how I can adjust my schedule or, or make it in such a way that was sustainable for my family. And this conversation is a little more difficult when you don't have people in the water treatment industry because they don't understand the travel aspect, the service aspect, the technical uh, knowledge needed to be successful. It's a little more difficult to, to balance that. So to have a group of like-minded individuals to work through with the goal of self-development, it's really helpful to kind of hash through those problems for me. Have you ever noticed that if you want something done, you give it to a busy person? Why is that? Why do busy people always seem to get something done? And we always wonder why, but there's a secret to that. Most busy people, if they're busy on the right things, it means that they are successful and they've learned to say yes to the things that help with their success, however they define success. Think about that. When was the last time you thought to yourself, how do I define success? Well, those are some of the questions that we ask in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And Eric asked himself, if I join the Rising Tide Mastermind, will this make me a better husband? Will this make me a better father? Will this make me a better water treater? And Eric has told me that it has done all of those things, and he is sure glad that he decided to join. Folks, I cannot say enough good things about being involved in a mastermind group. I ask that you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if being a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. And if you decide that it is not, please find a group that is right for you. When we get together with other people that are concerned about everyone's success, everyone gets better and the tide rises all boats.